Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the True Sweet High podcast. Today's guest is Joe Stone. Joe is head of audience development for LA-based podcast production company, Jam Street Media. He is also the founding member of What They Signed Up For, a nonprofit telling the stories of OIF and OEF veterans, and is a U.S. Army service-disabled combat veteran who served in places like Iraq, Afghanistan, and Guantanamo Bay. His 15-year enlisted military career was ultimately successful but tumultuous. He earned more than a dozen medals, including a Bronze Star Medal as a young Sergeant E-5 during his first tour in Iraq. He also, twice, went through a divorce while in uniform, had friends who took their own lives or succumbed to their own chemical dependencies, and struggled with his own reintegration and coming to grips post-traumatic stress. Joe currently lives in Vancouver, Washington, with his wife, Elizabeth, and their blended family of four, plus two dogs and a cat. Thank you guys for being here for another episode. I can't wait for you to hear his story. Although we have not met yet, I'm just so excited that he is on here today. Hey, Joe, how's it going? Good. Hi, Annette. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for having for being on here. I'm so excited. Um, I have to. <laughs> I'm always going to talk about this, and I apologize because I'm never going to get over it. But for everyone listening, Joe like made my dream come true when um, our mutual friend Sarah. I actually served with her in um, El Paso. He had created her website, and so when I was looking for someone to do mine she said you need to use joe he is awesome and she just kept raving about him and then i reached out to him and i told him what i wanted and then he created it and it was like i don't it was just so amazing and so for any of you that go to my website he is the designer he made all the magic happen and now i'm just learning how to do updates which is absolutely fun actually it's not that bad i'm learning and it's fun. So when after I see the end work, I did it. I did it on myself. <laughs> but <laughs> so thank you, thank you, always thank you, Joe, for oh, yeah. for bringing it to fruition, and I love it. So oh, you're welcome. It was, a, it, was, it, was a, it was a it was a fun time making it. I like I like working with you. Thank you. It was awesome. <laughs> so tell us about yourself and what you do. Uh, you do so many things, but oh, you tell everybody else about it. <laughs> <laughs> Where I even began. Um, I know. <laughs> so I guess the best way to describe what I do is I'm, I'm a multimedia producer. Uh, so I create all kinds of different things from like websites, like you said. Um, I, I do graphic design work. Um, I'm a photographer. I've done video work, podcasting. Um, so that's kind of what I'm doing right now. Uh I recently graduated uh, with my bachelor's in communications from uh, the Academy of Art University in San Francisco. I did all my schooling online. Um, and thanks to the GI Bill, I was able to afford it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, I mean, I, I've been kind of working on that stuff for the last few years, uh, getting involved with other with veteran stuff on the side. Uh, you know, VFW, I've done some other, other projects too. Um, Got involved with a book project for a little while. Uh, I still do on this. I still help them out too. Um, it's a book called What They Signed Up For. It's a collection of uh, veteran stories from veterans who served in Iraq and Afghanistan um, during the global war on terrorism. Uh, 
It's a, it's a great collection of stories. If you get a chance to pick up the book, uh, I, I highly recommend it. Not just to read my story. It's just one small piece in there, but there's so many different stories in that book from uh, all kinds of different people that serve from, you know, just from, you know, the, the guys who did all the, the, the door kicking, there was, you know, truck drivers, um, you know, logisticians, stuff like that. People from all walks of life, from different varied backgrounds, varied MLSs, uh, jobs there while they were there and, you know, males and females. And I mean, it was for someone who'd served and done multiple combat tours, it was an eye-opening read for myself, surprisingly. Um, wow. So yeah, if you guys, I mean, quick, uh, just a quick plug. If you've got every chance, I'd, I'd recommend reading reading that book um, or trying to. It's, it's, it's a tough read. Could you give me the name of that again? Uh, it's called what they signed up for okay yeah that sounds like a, a phenomenal book i saw your posts on it and i was like wow that's i know that one's gonna be pretty deep yeah it's it's a tough read i don't think i've even read the entire book myself yet um because the stories are kind of hard to there's a lot of relatable stuff in there for anybody who's gone overseas um and served in those combat zones before so it's uh it's a tough one to get through but it, it's it's great too if you've been over there yourself because it kind of lets you know that um, I'm not only all the stories about what they've done while they were there, but also like their transition back home. So it helps. It also helps you realize that, hey, the stuff I'm going through is not uh, is not unique. There's other people out there going through the same thing. I'm not alone in my 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 little uh, quest here. You know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So before that, gosh. Oh, I have such a hard time talking about myself sometimes. Sometimes uh, <laughs> I'm the same way. <laughs> uh, so I guess I guess I'll go to, to my military career. Um, kind of just keep working backwards. Um, so I was in, I was I served in the army. Uh, I did 15 years total. Uh, I actually had a, a break in service right there in the middle, about the seven year mark. Um, so I, I did two different tours. I'm sorry, two different breaks in two different periods of service uh the uh the last tour i i was stationed at was at fort drum new york and fort carson colorado and i deployed to afghanistan and iraq um i, I went to afghanistan with with 10th mountain and then i went to iraq with a uh, fourth id in fort carson um my tour before that or my uh, break my superior service before that, I was stationed at Fort Lewis the entire time, all seven years. Uh, wow. I used to joke around that I was institutionalized there because I was in the same company for the entire time. So, oh my I, gosh, that's yeah. like not normal at all. <laughs> no, it was horrible. Like, um, so I got there as a private in E1 as a mechanic. Um, when I left there seven years later, I was a I was an E5 promotable. Um, I was a motor sergeant. Uh, and I'd been there for so long. It was, I was, I was stationed, I was with a, a military police company at the time. Um, I'd been there for so long. I had a guy that was there and had PCS to Korea and back three different times while I was there. And like the wow. third time he's like, holy cow, dude, you are still here. I'm like, yeah, I, just, <laughs> I can't leave. <laughs> I don't know what it was. I mean, every time I, I came on orders while I was there a few different times, but every time I came on orders, the unit got orders to deploy. So I was, I ended up getting stuck there. And I deployed to, to Egypt while I was there. I went to, um, what was it, uh, Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, right after, uh, shortly after 9-11. Did 
to do the detainee mission down there with them. And then uh, I went to Iraq in 2004. Um, and we got the right, so we got the right at the very beginning of 2004. And it was kind of a, a quiet time when we first got there. And then the insurgency kicked off about th- three months in. And things got real crazy that year. Um, and that's the reason why I had a break in service. Is after I I did that 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 deployment, I had such a tough time with it. My my married life back home, my uh, my family life had kind of fallen apart while I was deployed. Um, when I got back, uh, I kind of blamed everything, all my personal stuff and everything else was going on. I'm kind of on the army and my experiences. And I was when they asked me to reenlist, I said uh, no, to put it nicely. <laughs> oh wow. So, but I, I mean, I quickly found out when I did get it, when I, when I got out, um, I, I had a really tough time, really tough time, uh, reintegrating. Um, in fact, I would, I would even say that I didn't, I didn't integrate at all, really. Um, I, I remember like when they tried to put you through all the, the, the transition programs or when you get out, like when I first got out, they didn't really have any transition programs, really. It was, like they tell you to go to, um, I can't remember, like TAP or whatever. I think they called it a, uh, they called it A-cap? something else at the time. They called it, yeah, it was ACAP. Yeah, yeah. So I, was, I went through ACAP, but at the time, all you had to do was, it was a bare minimum. It was like you had to fill out a survey or a questionnaire, and that was it. You weren't required oh. to do anything else. Um, and I was being stubborn, and I said, you know what, I got this. I'm not having any problem finding a job when I get out. Right. Um, and so I pretty much just turned my equipment in over it was, CIF, did the, the bare minimum I could, and got out. I ended up going back to, to ACAP a couple months after I got out for them to help me find a job. Uh, oh, wow. But anyways, I, I got out I, and I bounced around. I had within six months, I had three different jobs. Um, I was, I was still kind of numb for my, my tour. Um, I kind of had like a, you know, I don't give a fuck attitude about everything um, yeah. with anybody I, I had a relationship with. Like I was, I went through a divorce. Like as soon as I got back, um, I tried dating and that was just a really horrible experience because I just treated everybody like crap. And that was totally unlike me. Um, I guess I just had a different outlook on life coming back and, and, and then things didn't seem normal. Things seemed really trivial and not very important, I guess. Um, so I, I struggled for a while and I, I got to the point where I was, I ended up getting a, a pretty decent job. I was getting paid well, but I was super unhappy. And like, I was, I remember driving to work at like five o'clock in the morning and then like doing the same thing day in and day out and then sitting in traffic on the way home, you know, and, you know, stop and go rush hour traffic. And I'm like, I can't do this. There's no way. And I, I hated everything about it. Like there was, I couldn't relate to anybody with my experiences. Um, in fact, one of my other jobs I had before that one, I was just talking about, I quit because of, uh, an experience I had, I was working as a mechanic. I was pulling a truck out of the shop and as I was pulling it out. There's some junk that's piled up outside the shop. And I, I, my, the tire of the truck I was pulling out grazed whatever it was that piled up out there and it blew the tire out. And as you can imagine, as a combat vet who had been through that stuff, it, it, it freaked me out. Um, and, uh, the guys there at the shop started laughing at me. And I mean, and that, you expect that from maybe a civilian or something like that. But all, most of these guys that I was working with were all vets. Um, there were some, you know, some peacetime vets or what that didn't, 
served the majority of their career, they didn't deploy at all, wherever it was. So, I mean, I guess maybe it was, it was funny, but I didn't, I didn't think it was that funny at the time. And it, it really, uh, kind of crushed me, hurt my feelings a little bit. Um, yeah. And so I, I ended up like, I kind of called my, I had a buddy of mine who I, uh, deployed to Egypt with years prior to that. He was on recruiting duty in, uh, Las Vegas. I called him up and I, I asked him to put me back in. Um, eventually after that, after the second job, I guess after once I left that one job and then got the new one and kind of, you know, went through all the, the, the day in day out rigmarole of like commuting and, you know, not really getting by and kind of hating life. I ended up going back in. Um, but I remember like when I, when I got there, uh, I signed into Fort Drum, uh, the immense relief I felt uh, being around other people who had uh, had the same experiences. In fact, I I'd actually ran into a guy at replacement who um, who I'd served with in Iraq that last year, the year before that, um, and that was huge. It was like it was like being home, I guess. Yeah. I felt I felt immediately comfortable being there, and it was uh, it was the strangest thing. I'm you know three thousand miles from uh, my home state, and um, I felt like I belonged. It was it was really strange. Oh. Um, yeah, and so I I knew I'd kind of made the right choice at that point. Um, or at least I felt like I did. Right. So I uh, I got to my first unit there, and. When I signed in, they told me, don't even bother unpacking your bags. <laughs> okay. Oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, they did, ended up deploying to uh, Afghanistan a few months later. Um, and we went to, uh, what was it? The northeast corner of Afghanistan. It was a Korngal uh, Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard that name before, but it's, it's, but it's kind of the mm-hmm. scene of a lot of different uh, stories that have come out of Afghanistan. Um, different books yeah. have been written about that area, different movies. Um, the names of those escape me now for some strange reason, but uh, it was a very a lot of action that happened over there. It was, yeah, for for our. I mean, as a mechanic, I didn't see a whole lot because I was mostly on our our, our little base or file or whatever. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, our guys that were out there, that was with a a, a cav squadron three seven one cav. Oh yeah. Um, and they. Uh, yeah, they had action all the time. It was it was a different thing too, because what, what made what made Afghanistan different from from Iraq, in my experience, was that we weren't didn't feel like we were fighting a ghost over there. Like if we were fighting somebody, we could like fight back. You know, if like someone you know attacked us, whatever it was, and, and ambushed us, we we could fight back, and we had somebody to to shoot at or or whatever. It wasn't so demoralizing, you know, as, as an IED, and then like. Mm-hmm not be able to do anything about it, just take it or, you know, our, our incoming mortars or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we had a, a lot, a, a lot of different action over there. Um, and we lost a few guys. Um, one of them was one of the biggest events we had over there. We had a, a Chinook go down. Um, in fact, I think you might know of the story too. Uh, they were doing a kind of a mountaintop extraction um, and the helicopter, you know, came in and did one of those things where it kind of just puts the, 
the back end of the bird down on the ground a little bit and it's kind of mm-hmm. continues to hover while they, you know, unload people or whatever it was and or load people back up. Mm-hmm. And during that time, um, the pilot apparently had gotten spooked uh, from what they, what they think. And cause they had a, there was a, close to the LZ, there was a little fire that had been burning earlier in the day. And apparently the, the rotor wash had, had kind of kicked up some, uh, some embers and he thought he saw um, tracer fire. And so he, jerked the controls a little bit when he did uh one of the rotor blades hit uh, a tree nearby um oh. and the bird tumbled down the mountain uh and took 10 lives with it um and then that was like it was we had four guys from our squadron in there and one of them um was lieutenant colonel joe fenny uh which there's a fob in afghanistan named after him now uh, yes, yes. So, Lieutenant Colonel Fenny, he was, uh, I, I, I had, didn't have much experience with him before or, or at all. I mean, I had a couple different interactions with him. But the one interaction I did have with him was, uh, it was huge. Um, it was it was the strangest thing. So, I, I just got in a fort, like, I, I, got, I just got a fort drum. And shortly after I got there, of course, being the new guy, I got immediately put on the duty roster. <clears throat> <laughs> and got stuck on staff duty like my first week there i didn't know anybody from anyone uh it's about the worst possible duty you can do you know be on squ- squadron staff duty and not know who the officers are who the sergeant majors are you know who anybody is oh god <laughs> um yeah so i was a little stressed out uh at the end of the day when everyone was leaving uh colonel fenny came down and as he left he came over and talked to me and he's uh he, he, he didn't recognize me. So he, he asked me who I was and, um, you know, what unit I was in. And he talked to me for about like 20, 30 minutes, probably. Oh, wow. Um, it was a weird experience for me to have. I never had that kind of experience with any other officer when I was in. Um, yeah. He had genuine, you know, genuine interest in who I was, where I was coming from, my experiences, uh, my family. Uh, that made a huge impact on me. Like, yeah. okay, I've never had anybody do that before. And it was... Um, so I thought super highly of the guy. Um, and so when we, we heard that that, that, uh, that the aircraft went down, um, it was, uh, gosh, it was, it was tough. Um, yeah. And for me to back, I'm going to back up a little bit of my story here a little bit. There was, so I didn't deploy on time with my unit. I had deployed like three months late mm-hmm. because my wife at the time was pregnant. Mm-hmm. And um, she was due within the first three months of the, of the deployment. So they had a, a policy there on Fort Drum that if your spouse is pregnant and due within those first three months, you stay back for the for the birth of your child, um, which was kind of cool. I never heard of that happening before. And, no, that's really good. Yeah, and it was it was it was nice to be able to do that. Um, yeah. But the the gut the, the the tough part was that Colonel Fenny's wife was pregnant too. And do within oh. those first three months, and oh, he goodness. he didn't stay back. He deployed forward with all his guys on time, because mm-hmm. um, that's kind of the person he was. You know, it was uh, I'm you know I'm not going to ask you know somebody to do something I'm not going to do myself or whatever. Right, um, right. So I was actually on rear D at the time when his act when his crash happened. Oh, God. Um, when they announced it, they had an emergency family readiness group meeting. Uh, so all the spouses and stuff came in and people who were on word came in there and the word attachment commander had announced it and you could just, 
uh, you can hear like the the air kind of just escape the room. Because yeah. he had that kind of an impact on everybody. Um, and then immediately I thought about his wife and his, you know, and I, I had a, uh, his kid was born not long before that. It was, it was within weeks before it. Right. Um, and so he never, never met his, his, his child. Um, but it, I mean, it, I mean, it was, it was a crushing thing to, to see his family go through and, and uh, doing that on rare D and then, um, then knowing that I stayed back and I was able to see my, my kid and wherever it was be born and he wasn't, yeah. you know, and it just kind of made you feel like crap afterwards a little bit. And, um, that was a tough one to, to get through. I mean, that is a different experience on rear D being having to see that side of it. Like I never seen that side of the army before. It's one thing being four and having things happen, but you don't get to see the, what happens back home, how that affects other people too. Yes. Um, Gosh, yeah, and that was so. That was that was a really tough, tough one to get through right there. Um, but um, yeah. Did you did you grow up with a military family? Um, kind of. Uh, my my parents and my parents served. I had a grandfather who was a a, a World War Two Navy vet. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a an officer. I want to say he was a Lieutenant JG, I think was his final grade, Lieutenant junior grade. Um, mm-hmm. And then I had an uncle who was in the Marine Corps and he was a, a and he served in desert storm. Mm-hmm. And, and I also had another uncle who was national guard. He was a AGR served active duty. And I used to see him all the time as a kid in his uniform and that's kind of what uh, I kept seeing that. I was like, oh, I want to be like that when I grew up. I want to be, I want to be in the army too. And so I was kind of like, when I, when I, as long as I can remember, I'd, I'd always want to be a soldier. That was my life, kind of uh, my dream job. Wow. Yeah. I knew. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what made you decide to do everything that you're doing now? Is that, something you were interested as a kid at long um yeah i mean in a weird way kind of i've always been really artsy and creative uh but at the same time my dad was a a a businessman he owned his own business and it was kind of understood that you know if you wanted to excuse me uh you'll be successful you're gonna have to you don't have sort of a, a business kind of a business mindset and you need to get some sort of hard skill sort of job Um, so, I mean, I ended up joining the army where it wasn't did that for a while. And when I got back, when I finally got out of the army for the final time, you know, being a mechanic was kind of what I knew and what I understood and I was good at it. Um, so I was kind of thought that's kind of what I had to do, but I was struggling because like I, I, I'd put my body through so much while I was in, I was having a hard time doing that physically anymore. Um, so I knew I needed to find something different to do. Uh, and what what had helped me was I was I was at the time I was this was four roughly four years ago. I was doing some freelance writing. I was getting into freelance writing because I, I was trying to explore that side of myself, and I've always wanted to write. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found a veteran centric sort of news agency. You mm-hmm. want to call it? I guess um, it's called Lima Charlie News, and it's run by. Um, 
a guy named Anthony, Anthony Lopresti, and he's a lawyer in, in New York. He's not a veteran, but his goal was to to make it make a thing where veterans could uh, could kind of you know get involved in this sort of stuff and, and write and 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 get in the, involved in news. So everybody in inside the organization is all veterans, but him. Cool. Um, so anyways, I started writing for him. Uh, did a few articles for him, and I was having a, a, an issue with trying to bridge that gap, you know, professionally Mm -hmm. trying to make that adjustment from doing some sort of hard skilled labor stuff to um, more media minded stuff. And that was, I was at a a breaking point in my professional life that I needed to find something else to do. And so I remember talking to him one time, we set up a phone call and for like, you know, an hour we, we talked about things that I, you know, I, I like to do and, um, goals and aspirations and stuff like that. And he kind of convinced me that I need to do something that was more creative. Um, and then there's jobs for it out there. And so I started, I started researching, you know what, I hadn't really, I hadn't done any college yet. I was, you know, 35, I guess at the time, 36. Mm-hmm. I hadn't really done any, I did a couple college classes, hadn't taken it very seriously. And I was like, I, did, I was just kind of in the process of losing one, uh, losing a job because of my, uh, uh, my back problems. So I was like, well, you know what? I just needed to like, I actually need to go back to school full time. This is a good opportunity to do it. I need to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I ended up doing some searching around for different, um, uh, different degree programs. And it, at first I was, I was wanting to get into some sort of sustainability focused, uh, job. So I, I got a, I started a degree program at a, a college, now defunct college in Colorado called Ecotech. Um, I did a couple quarters there and it was, you know, business administration stuff that I was, I was kind of focused on. And I did a, a communications course while I was there and I really liked it. And so when the VA told me I had to find a different school to go to because this one had lost its uh, accreditation or was losing its accreditation, I uh, started searching around and that's where I found the, the Academy of Art uh, University. Um, they had a perfect program um, for me because it was their communications program wasn't just, wasn't just writing and it wasn't just, um, you know, it was, it was, it was a variety of different mediums. So it gave me the opportunity to, to try out, um, you know, to, to improve my writing some more uh, than I already had. And also get involved, try to, you know, do video work. I could do podcasting and radio, um, which I really like. So I, had a, I have a ton of interest in my, I get bored of things really easily. And I like to learn new things all the time too. So I'm, I'm always wanting to try new things. Mm-hmm. So this was like the perfect degree for me. Um, I never, you know, lost interest in things. I was, I did social media coursework quite a bit. Actually, I took five or six courses on, on social media alone between, you know, marketing and, um, uh, strategy, crowdfunding, all kinds of different stuff. Uh, did that? I did a few uh, semesters of of radio. You know, produced my own weekly radio show. Yeah. Um, gosh, what else was there? Uh, did a bunch of radio work. Well, or I'm sorry, a bunch of video work. Um, you know, did blogging, video blogs, YouTube stuff. <sighs> I, I, I even did graphic design work while I was there. Gosh, there's so much, so much stuff that I learned. I love it. The problem is that it makes me a kind of a jack of all trades and I'm not gonna say a master of none, but I'm 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 really good at a lot of things, but a master at none of them at the same time, you know. <laughs> um 
which is fine. I, I have, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm multiverse and stuff. So I'm in my, my current job right now, uh, working with Jam Street Media, a job I got through one of my professors at the, at the, at the academy, um, asked me to, asked me on to, to work for a startup because of that, which is cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because I was, I could do so many different things. Um, I mean, I even built the radio station's website there for the school. I, I actually redesigned it because the one that I had there was pretty horrible at the time. Uh, <laughs> um, so I did that, you know, I ran their social media stuff for a while and, um, for a few years, and even I did, I did that after I graduated as well for a little while until they found somebody else to replace me recently. Um, but yeah, no, I just, I do, I do a lot of different stuff. I'm always busy doing something. <laughs> I, I know. I, <laughs> I see it in your, you've done a lot of different types of photography too. Um, yeah. I think the last ones I see, I don't even remember. I, they're just amazing though. They're so creative and so not something I'm used to seeing. So it stands out and they're, it seems like you've had a lot of fun and I think you just went to Podfest or Pod? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to um, oh geez, it wasn't Podfest. Podfest no. is coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, Pod X, I don't know. Podcast remember. Movement. Yeah, that's it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I went to Podcast Movement Evolutions in Los Angeles a couple of weeks ago. That was a uh, that was pretty awesome. Um, really? Yeah, because I, I so I I'm not huge into podcasting. Like I don't ever have time to listen to podcasts, which is horrible right. for somebody who actually works in podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's because I, I i can't listen to something while I'm, I'm working on something else like i just yeah. I can't focus on two things at once unless i'm right. like doing something with my hands or, or whatever if i'm driving or maybe cutting the grass or doing some sort of chores then maybe i could listen to something at the same time but if i'm actually trying to work i can't do it yeah um, <laughs> so anyways i've been listening to some various podcasts for the last couple of years and so while i was there it's this, it's this thing i was actually able to meet people who i'd listened to already that's awesome. Um, which is awesome. So like there was a guy named James Cridlin who uh who does a a thing called Pod News. Um it's like a daily pod uh daily podcast news podcast. It's like oh, five wow. or six minutes long. I listen to it just about every morning. Uh, oh wow. So I met him and he's got a, a you know, a website and a daily newsletter comes out for podcasting news and it's uh, really great for what I do because I do a lot of blogging too and, and social media work. So I kind of stay up on what's what's going on in the podcasting world um god who else did i meet there um i met so many other people and i met so many new people too it was was a really crazy event like they just like one of the nights that they had an iheart radio sponsored uh party um it was like exciting it was kind of cool when it was it was like an open bar kind of thing where they did uh it was all inclusive paid paid for everything you just showed up and um it was a networking event, so you just kind of go in there and hung out. You could have a few drinks if you wanted to, and I mean, it's completely open bar, so you can have as many drinks as you wanted to in the, in the three or four hours that it was open. Oh my gosh, uh, that's <laughs> it was pretty wild. Um, I mean, it was in all the big names, all the big name guys, you know, CEOs from different podcast companies were there. Uh, kind of just you know, chit chat with everybody, and it was just a really kind of a cool event. And I met a lot of different people from different places, and uh. Yeah, I don't know. It was it was the only, the only problem with that party was just really loud. Like they had a DJ there, it was doing really good music, but it was just way too loud. Like you had to scream Ooh. into the person's yeah. ear next to you so they could hear you. <laughs> that, that is kind of difficult. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was a fun event. I mean, it was down at the uh, Millennium Biltmore Hotel. Um, the, the whole the actual event was, which is 
a very old hotel right in the middle of uh, downtown Los Angeles. Like they have a bunch of movies have filmed there, like Ghostbusters um, was filmed there, or part of a Ghostbusters was filmed there, like the hotel scene. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so it was it was just really neat. And I went to L.A. expecting I never been. To, I don't know if you've ever been to L.A. before, but yeah, I was raised in California. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I mean, I, I've never been. I mean, I, I think I went there as a kid. Well, I went there as a kid one time to when I was like five to go to um, Disneyland or whatever. But I hadn't been back there since, and I, I kind of went down yeah. under the expectation of hating it because you always hear all these stories about the traffic and everything uh-huh. else, and just like <laughs> this is gonna be a horrible experience. There are some nice parts. Yeah, no, and I, you know, the, the, it turns yeah. out I actually loved it. Like I got down there, I'm like, this is. This is pretty nice. I like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is fun. You just have to see the nice parts. Yeah, I mean, even the bad parts, parts weren't that bad. Either. I mean, some of the bad parts weren't that bad. I mean, it was, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you know, you walk around downtown, There's. it's it's not bad. There, I, I, our hotel was about a mile and a half from downtown. It wasn't the, the greatest area, but I mean, you never felt that really unsafe. I mean, even if it was kind of the dirtier yeah. parts of town, but it was, I don't know. It was nice and warm in February. It was 70 degrees. I couldn't complain. Like it was, you know, 30 degrees back home and raining. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I'm like, this is yeah, awesome. All exactly. Right. <laughs> Did they offer workshops there? Because I know with, um, I went to the Military Influencer Conference last September and they had like little breakout sessions with, uh, with workshops. One was on podcasting and that one was, that was yeah, really motivating for me. Essentially, the whole thing like was that. workshops. It was um, so they had like three okay. different tracks, depending on what you did in podcasting. If you were a creator, if you were like uh, a prof- you okay. know podcast professional, like a producer, you know, someone on the back end or whatever. And they had different uh, tracks you go through and different listen to different people from different you know agencies, or whatever it was talking about certain certain things. Like I had a press pass when I was there because I was helping write stories for a podcast business journal while I was down there. Um, so I got to go to different. Wow all the different sides of it. And so they had, um, you know, stuff about analytics and the back end stuff. There was stuff about uh, how to create, you know, better content, um, tip, you know, ones on, on how to market your podcast, how to get, you know, get funding. Um, God, there was just a ton of stuff. It was like just three days of just nonstop information. It was just, it was hard to absorb it all. Um, oh my God. Yeah. And it was, it was a really great event. If so you ever get a chance to go to one of those, like a podcast movement one, they're they're awesome yes yes i definitely want to go to one now that i'm doing yeah you definitely get i mean the the tickets are expensive for any of those kinds of things but in this case i mean i think it's definitely well worth the money i mean not just in in the knowledge it even if you've you have a fair amount of knowledge in podcasting just the networking contacts you make alone there and just it, it was i think that was worth it by itself that's what I think. I think any type of networking event is pretty much worth it because of the amount of, you know, you, you just meet so many different people, so many different areas and then the contacts and the friendships. And there's so many different things. Cause I never, when I went to Mick, I wasn't really sure, you know, I didn't, I mean, I knew who was going to be there. I knew some people that were going to show up, but I, I wasn't sure what to expect. But when I left there, I felt more, I felt motivated and more sure of oh, yeah. the fact that I, I knew that this was the path I wanted to be on because I just loved it and it was exciting. And it just, yeah, I, I think I always encourage people to go to a yeah, network. No, I, I totally agree. I felt the same way uh, about that place. It was, uh, 
I remember when I got back, like the first couple of days after getting back home, it was like, you got out of that little kind of the blues afterwards. Like, man, I really missed it. That was a lot of fun. I'm like, <laughs> I want to go back. <laughs> yeah. That's how I felt when I left this. This one was in DC. So it was, you know, right by the house. But now I'm going to actually go to San Antonio for the next one because I know I did. I learned so much and, um, I was definitely pumped. I was like right away, bought my ticket for next year. So, or this year now, geez. So, <clears throat> so now you own, okay. So what do you own? You have Joe Stone Photography. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, I don't really have a, a, a an actual business entity, I guess. Um, I, I've, I've had my own in the past. Um, but I shut them down while I was going to school because I was, I was getting too overwhelmed with, with school and trying to, trying to maintain a business front and all that stuff. Um, so I shut all that stuff down, right. but I, I, I pretty much do freelance work now um, on my own. So yeah, okay. so for, for, on Facebook, I have Joe Stone Photography, uh, which I, I do my photography stuff through. And then I have a separate one, uh, Joe Stone Media, which was kind of a rebrand from uh, my previous business that I had. And I just kind of put my name on there. Um, just kind of, it, so it encompasses everything else that I do. Um, but yeah, so, awesome. so the photography one's at Joe Stone uh Joe Stone photo and the media ones at, at Joe Stone media. Okay. And you're based out of yeah, Washington. So I'm, in, I'm in Southwest Washington. Yeah. Uh, I'm in Vancouver, which is really, it's, it's in the, the Port, Portland, Oregon metro region. Uh, so a lot of times it's just easier to say I'm okay. from Portland because that's the, the closest thing. If I tell them I'm from Vancouver, they're like, Oh, BC. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, not that one. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, geez, I um yeah, well, first of all, yes, I I'm going to get that book because I know um those types of stories are just they're so hard to tell, but it just gives you a different perspective and I think people need to see stuff like that. They need to read stuff like that. It's not there's so much more than just going overseas and then and then coming back. It's not as not easy, but yeah. people just don't understand. Oh, so I know that's going to be a no. It is, and it's it's great for I mean, not just veterans to like I, I'd mentioned before, but people who had had those didn't have those experiences at all and wanted to maybe better understand, you know, their their yeah. their spouses or their siblings or whatever it was or their friend that who who'd served and came back a little bit different or it was you know the why they were struggling the way they were um, or maybe still are or whatever. It's a it's super insightful. It's such a great tool. Um, and like I said, for myself, like I was reading some of those stories about uh, some of the women veterans in there, like I, I had heard of, uh, you know, all the the MST stuff, the military sexual trauma um, things before, but I didn't realize it was so prevalent. Like it was a constant fear for, for women veterans when they were served overseas. Like it just, I don't know. I, 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 I just, I didn't, I didn't know that until I read it, like. I, I served in, in, in units with, with females and I had plenty of female soldiers myself um, as an NCO. And even, even then caught me off guard. Like I, I had no idea it was that kind of situation over there. Um, so it was certainly eye opening for me because I, I had some female soldiers of, of mine that didn't transition very well when they got out and kind of, um, you know, struggle with homelessness and, and, and drugs and stuff like that. And, and a lot of it they said was, I know a lot of it was based on the, the MST stuff. Um, you know, so that I found out later after the fact, after I got out and they had talked to me or it was, but, you know, it was just really hard for them to deal with. But like, yeah, no, like I said, it was just, it was just totally eye-opening for me. I'm, I'm so glad I was involved with that project. 
Wow, that is definitely um, that is a hard topic, especially now. You know, it happens to both men yeah. and women, and it is hard to talk about. Nobody, yeah, that's a that's that's hard. Um, but yeah, so that's that's amazing that you were part of that project. What a meaningful thing to do! It just yeah, no, it's, it's been a great amazing. thing too because we've also um, like go through and we do uh, speaking events. Um, at local colleges and stuff like that. And there's a few of us from the book that'll show up and we'll talk about our stories and answer questions of people in the audience. And um, it's been, it's been really impactful. Um, wow. That's amazing. Wow. I love that. I love being able to go and educate college kids, especially because they just, you know, they're, they don't know. They're still growing. We're still trying to grow up and figure out what they want to do, but to see the rest of the world is something that's not, it doesn't always happen. They get so secluded in just what they're doing. They need to open up their eyes and see what else, what's going on in the rest yeah, of the world. So that's awesome. Um, <clears throat> especially now that we have college kids, right? It's like, oh my it. gosh. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole other, yeah. whole other oh, topic. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, well, thank you, Joe. Seriously, I, I'm so excited that you wanted to be on here to, you know, this is all new for me, but it's just, it's been fun and I love it. And being able to connect with people like you just definitely just changed yeah. lives. So, well, thank you for so having me. I, so I've, much. I've, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm so glad. Well, thank you and you have a great day. Bye. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Truths We Hide podcast created by A Wild Ride Called Life. To find out more about our mission, visit www.awildridecalledlife.com.